Hello and welcome everyone to another great episode of the Do Better Dev Show. I am here with Nathan and his tent in the background. How you doing? That's right. Yeah, that tent is airing out. Um, I made a horrible error. I went to bed after I got home and uh, forgot to unpack my tent. So it sat in my bag being all damp for longer than it should have. And now, yeah, it's been airing out for a, a day and a half or so. Uh, smells much better already. So that, that's a good improvement. But uh, since I have such a big apartment, um, I have tons of space to set it up, obviously. And uh, that means it's not a big deal that it's in the middle of my room. Yeah. I mean, is it is it the same phenomena as when you leave a protein bottle for forever and then you open it? <laughs> it's far less toxic than that. Okay. You know, right, that right. you just got to burn. You just got to get rid of it. Yeah, there's no, there's no going back. Uh, the tent was just musty. And once it aired out, it smelled a lot better after the first, honestly, three hours or so when it fully dried. Um, and then today, just having the window open, just letting air blow through. And I'm sure it'll be good to go. But... I don't want to surprise my future self when I unpack it and just be like, oh, I have to sleep in this. Disgusting. So. Yeah. Imagine you took a friend or a special friend in this tent for camping and yeah. yeah that would be uh, not a good look. It would not. However, it sounds like you did something cool this past week. Yeah. As so what did you do this past week? <laughs> as mentioned... <laughs> Uh, last week, well, first of all, it's obvious I survived, so that's that's good. That was how I left us. That's true. Last last week was hopefully I'm here, and since I'm I'm here, mm -hmm. I was not eaten by anything uh, or adopted by a cougar. So I yeah, or you're just a very advanced AI I created to fill the hole in my life. Yes, uh, but I have been programmed not to admit one way or the other uh, okay, <laughs> whether cool. that's true. So I hiked Juan de Fuca last weekend. Um, and that's a hike just up island. It's 47 kilometers, and I was planning to do it over three or four days. And so I uh, was ahead of schedule on day two, because I woke up when I woke up, which, because the sun rises really early right now, was like quarter to five. And just packed up and started walking. Arrived at my planned destination for day two, shortly after noon. And because I'm a weirdo, I was sitting there and just I said to myself, what would I do? Just relax the rest of the day? And I, I meant that that would be stupid. And as I heard myself think this slash say it, I probably said it out loud. I, uh, I thought that's actually what other people would probably do. Um, but I may as well just keep walking. So I just finished it and it made for a very long day. But the nice thing about that was I got to eat a nice meal at home for breakfast on Thursday before I left. I met up with some people, not intentionally, but I met them at Sombrio, and they gave me like barbecued burgers and stuff, so I had proper food on Thursday night, and then I was back home by Friday night, and I ate proper food then. So my body had plenty of good food to recover from two very big days of hiking. But I'll get more into like you know, the, the doing betters and, and such in that section later. Um, before I go into mine, since I've now been ranting for a little bit, what, uh, what interesting or, or fun things happened from the past week for you? Um, 
So I only have one interesting thing which I thought was hilarious. Um, so you know how Twitter does its magic. It'll say something and then the internet goes crazy. So some guy went on Twitter and just said, hey, wouldn't be, it, it would be crazy given the amount of AWS services exist that they'll come up with like some next weird thing and call it like Infinidash or something and people will just go crazy about it. And people did. AWS didn't even announce or make one. It became this like global troll and people like published NPM packages. There's yum CLIs for it. And there's all these articles with absolutely nothing like pointing towards anything. They just keep going in like these circles. So that you think it's a like good tech article and then you reach the end and then you just realize it was nothing. And there's like two or three big news sites that I've picked up on it that are sort of just saying that it's not correct. But the main point of the tweet was that they'll say a random service and some job posting will pick it up saying, hey, we need somebody experienced in this. And sure enough, there was some company, I can't remember, they put one on. I don't know if they did it as part of the joke, as if they're in mm -hmm. or or if they just like mistook for it, uh, they added it as part of the, their sysops admin position. Oh, no. I certainly hope and they were I, I hope so too, because there's this NPM package and the readme is basically download it, install it, add it to your package, and now you can basically infinite scale, um, you have zero downtime, whatever, in your application. I don't know what it's supposed to even do. Uh, I don't. I haven't looked at the repo itself and the code, but it was just one of the stupidly <laughs> hilarious things because I could believe AWS InfiniDash could be a real product until I actually look at an announcement and understand what it's supposed to do. In my head, I'm just like, okay, maybe it's some sort of dashboard that collects every other information and shows something. And yeah, and some one guy he's not, he doesn't even have like that many followers it's just like haha wouldn't this be hilarious and it just like ended up becoming a globally weird thing um so yeah internet is weird people are weird and i find humor in it so i think i'm weird <laughs> all right well yeah that's <laughs> i don't really know how to add to that it's just so strange <laughs> I ever, that's that's why I chose it for this week. I have nothing else to report on <laughs> for my section of anything that happened past week because this has been on my head this whole time. We'll even I'll link the NPM in the Perfect. show notes. Just go look at it. It's stupid. Great. Okay. Bringing that yeah. value to the listeners. <laughs> so I've got a few things here. Something that was cool and interesting. I've mentioned this podcast now with the past few weeks, I think. Uh, without really meaning to, but I found that Lex Friedman just had recently had Charles Hoskinson on his show. And to give a sense of what the episode's like, I was sold that I was going to listen to the whole thing after the first couple minutes because it was just, it started so good. And I'm currently halfway through and I still have two and a half hours left. So, like, it's a big podcast. And it's kept my attention this long. But he, Charles Hoskinson, he is the main guy working on Cardano and is essentially talking a bunch about the implementation details of crypto and how they compare to one another. Um, stuff that I really don't care about. 
but the podcast is so good. Like he presents it in such an engaging way. The guy just keep listening to it. And he's talking about how proof of work has all these different um, implementations and how certain ones used by certain cryptocurrencies are um, more expensive or less expensive than these other ones. The trade-offs that you get between them. He talks about just the general differences between programming languages. And I think it's called Plutus is one of the languages that he's made. And it is a smart contracts language. So they talk a lot about smart contracts. It's just a really interesting episode that I'm enjoying quite a bit. So I'll have to include that in the show notes. Um, something, th these are very not code related. Frustrating thing. This morning, I went on Spotify. Besides the fact that the app just keeps frustrating me because uh, it's slow and bad now and it's hard to find things. They, every once in a while, it'll tell me if something I'm interested in has a new release. So an artist I usually listen to. So today, it said Carmen has a new release because I listen to quite a bit of Carmen. It makes great gym music. And just if it's a nice sunny day, putting on some Carmen is fun. And they're like, Carmen released a new song. So I was like, cool. I can't wait to hear it. And I listen to it. And I'm just waiting for her to come in on a verse or something. And I swear she's not in the song at all. And it was not a good song. Uh, she's listed as one of the three artists, but it wasn't in English. It was not my style of music and like a style that like I would typically listen to. And I couldn't hear her involvement in the song in any way. It didn't sound like any of her other music. So I was very disappointed. It's more disappointing than frustrating because two and a half minutes of my life while I was doing something else. So it's not like it was a big, big loss, but I was excited for a new, a new song that I was going to like, and it was disappointing. And finally, it's emotional loss too. That's right. Yeah. Not just the, the sadness. <laughs> uh, this one was just funny. It's not frustrating or anything because <laughs> it's so dumb. So this is my, my rocket league show. And I was, I was playing over the weekend and I had this teammate that was very confusing for me. I was playing twos, so it was just me and him versus two other guys. And he just kept doing stuff that was confusing me, like shooting at our own net and then blaming me if I missed the ball. But like, I don't think he was trying to shoot on our net. He was just doing it accidentally and then annoyed that I didn't block it as if I was supposed to expect that. And anyway, there's an in-game chat. So you can send messages in in-game chat and he's telling me that I'm trash and whatnot. And uh, using quick chat to, to be like, okay, if I do something that is a misinterpretation of how I guess he wanted me to do something. Anyway, match ends. I'm just chilling, waiting for the next uh, match. And I get a Xbox Live message from him saying, bro, you're trash. And I was like, <laughs> this guy, like I've had so many people tell me to like kill myself on, on Rocket League chat, but there's an in-game chat. And I even waited in the lobby afterwards until he left in case like he was going to keep messaging because I thought it was funny. But I wig around, he leaves the lobby and then bothers to follow up with me in Xbox Live messaging, bro, you're trash. So I was just like, thanks, you too, and sent a little heart. Uh, <laughs> and that was it. But it's like such a strange thing because I've only received one other message and it was a spam message. So I thought, oh, somebody sent me a message. That's weird. <laughs> it was just him. So yeah, get bent, spelt with threes instead of e's, does not like me.
Oh man, I I, I was like more Im- like I'm imagining him just, you know, quitting the lobby, going out for a smoke, being like, oh, everything sucks, and he's like, you know what I'll do? I need to tell him in a different <laughs> way that he sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was so funny. And it was early morning, so I was still in a perfectly like ideal mood because I'm a very much a morning person. So I was just laughing. I was I thought it was so funny. Whereas later in the day, it might have made me more grumpy. But first thing in the morning, that was not getting my spirits down. I thought it was way too funny. <laughs> huh. So he used this awesome thing we have, the internet, that runs on all these models of layers. Holy smokes. Just to tell you, you're We should trash. talk about that. I know. We should talk about how his message reached from his Xbox to yours through the different layers of the all internet. Right, all right. So you're, you're going to definitely have more to say in this conversation than me. So I was thinking okay. what I can do is I can remember a handful of the of the layers that I actually have to think about regularly. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to list them and we'll go from, go from okay. there and you can sort of guide the conversation. But I want to get at least a little bit that I regularly think about and know out of the way. So I've at least said something. So again, this is off the top yeah. of my head. I know that layer one is hardware. You did yes. excellent. You, when you shook your head, I was like, did I get that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 runs, no. Runs on it's, ethereal. It's just called something else, but you did. You okay, did okay. And then layer yeah. seven at the other end, that's application mm-hmm. layer, and so that's mm-hmm. where I spend most of my time, just just yeah. building building HTTP stuff. There's yeah. a presentation layer, a layer six, mm-hmm. and so yeah, that does like syntax and stuff, right? Not fully, but yeah. It does do that as well. Yes. Okay. That's not the main goal for it, but okay. Okay. And then, okay, layer four is TCP, which means that layer five mm-hmm. has to be session. Wow. You're doing great. And all I really remember, somewhere in between there, there's like packets and stuff <laughs> in the bottom half. There's layers two and That's three. all you need. Somewhere in there, there's packets. That's, that's all it is. Welcome to the internet. Thank you. Happy yeah, to be here. For, for top of your head, you did like excellent. I have to always like rethink of the model, draw the pyramid in my head. And like even for the show, I made notes. Um, I just know that it has to run on hardware. So that's easy to remember. And then I typically work at layer seven, but layer four is for network load balancers. So I'm constantly made aware through these AWS course things about layer four. And then I was just like, somewhere in between, there's other stuff, which has to be like sessions. <laughs> and that's about it. That's basically, yeah. That's, that's all it is. That's really all it is. Um, and like, I, I'll also do a little prefix of I'm not a network engineer. It's just something I'm obsessed with and love for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so the information I have also comes from whatever readings I've done, but in no way or shape, like it's completely thorough. And, and if I make mistakes, don't at me like, or, or do maybe I'll learn. I don't know, but like whatever information is here, this isn't all there's lots in all those layers. There's a lot to find between the layers mm. and you know, the more you do, the more you love. All right. And, and this is, and, yeah, I'll and do a little, I hopefully I made clear, 
not something I think about frequently. Network, <laughs> network architecture and such is not my bag. I'm mostly just thinking, am I at layer seven or layer four? And that's all you yeah, need. I'm working with sessions that are mostly taken care of for me. So, uh, yeah. I'll leave. Unless your internet goes off and then you work with layer one. Right. I just like unplug, replug. <laughs> yeah. So, are we starting at layer one or layer seven? I think we should take even a step right. back and explain what all these layers are. Why? Are, what are we talking? Holy, okay. Yep. Go for it. Yeah. So as Nathan mentioned, and if you've read the title, uh, it's the OSI model we're talking about, which is really just a way of describing how the internet works, how communication happens, what protocols lie at what place. Since we all know internet and computers are all just ones and zeros, we have created these layers so we know where a certain sets of one and zero is supposed to go and to keep, make, make, keep things clear. Before OSI model, there was one called network access layer thing. I forgot what it's fully called, but it was, oh sorry, it's the TCP IP model. So they, th things were somehow simpler and then they complicated it more. So in the TCP IP model, the layer seven, six, five are in one and layer one and two are in one. So you only end up with like one, two, three, four layers. And then internet came and said, that's not good enough. We need to break these things out into more details. Um, and that's how we ended up with the OSI model. And so, yeah, and so I think we should start off at the very top because that's where people are most familiar with. Um, so at the very top, you have your application layer. Things you do that are more facing towards you that you actually interact with, your websites, your web browsers, any clients you're writing, any code you're writing that's using HTTP and communication, SMTP, your email Web client, sockets, getting all the... Yeah, uh, WebSockets are actually layer six they're they're more session based i think no sorry that's sockets sockets is session five sorry yeah web sockets is seven it uses sockets um, yeah yeah i knew i knew yeah. this one because i was like i knew, <laughs> i was like i know a handful of things about like i mentioned layer seven <laughs> and layer four it's like https <laughs> web sockets those are at layer seven yeah if you work off the TCP IP model, HTTP is a layer seven. When you throw that S in there, that's when you're incorporating layer six. There you go. So yeah, a good segue into our awesome next layer, the presentation layer. It's my favorite one All right. um, because it just does everything pretty much from what I understand of the model because seven is just like higher level. Let's just display data. People need to understand what things are working on. Step six is where it's all, you know, it presents the data. That's the presentation layer. It makes sure data is not corrupted. Data is in proper format. Data is encrypted or decrypted if we're using SSL or SSH, any of the secure ones. Uh, this is the layer that looks at the certificates, exchanges, um, does all the work. And then there's the session layer, which is one below. Uh, so the presentation layer. So let's go through sequentially. So application layer, you go onto your website, you're like, all right, I want to visit this website. HTTP goes in, it has a whole bunch of data, and it goes to the presentation layer and says, all right, encrypt it, send it to the this IP address, I don't care how you do it. And then presentation layer takes it, 
and goes to the session layer. And then session layer is looking, session layer is figuring out how long I have to talk to this other server, how I'm doing it, what are the protocols I'm going to be using it. And then it just gets this little package that it has to deliver to the other end. And then it goes to the transport layer, where transport layer is either your famous TCP versus UDP question that everybody asks all over the place. And that's where it takes that big package and breaks it into little packages. It just destroys it uh, into smaller <laughs> things. And then <laughs> depending if you paid for the extra receipt on um, you know, proof of delivery, it uses TCP, or if you didn't ask for it, it uses UDP. Uh, sends the package across, and then transport layer has all that information. It's still like dealing with like IP addresses, um, big stuff, where now it passes off all to network layer. All network layer knows is, okay, I have this little IPv4 packet uh, where I have the IP address, some data segment, and some metadata information. It knows nothing about the browser, any of the information it's coming. And then it takes it and passes it to data link, which is our routers, bridges, our ethernet card, which looks at this little package and says, all right, all I give a shit about, all I give a crap about, <laughs> <laughs> our audience is mature, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and I just want to send it to the next physical thing that I have access to. So our network card only cares about sending it to the router or the switch we're connected to. That only cares about sending it to the upstream ISP and so forth. And then finally, we have the physical layer where it's, all right, let's connect Ethernet, coax, fiber, and it's all just zeros and ones where it's just like, all right, I just turn on, turn off. That's the electrical signal going through. And on a over highlight, that's our OSI model. I went through it much faster than I thought I would. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was expecting to like ramble for like 30 minutes just about the seven layers, but they work so well together. I don't even have to. Yeah. Yeah. Like the seven layer dip in thrifties. It is. I have a friend who this is better full-time job in like high school or something was to make seven layer dip. So I'm wow. sure he loves the OSI model. Brings him back to younger I, days. Who wouldn't? <laughs> like learning, after learning about this model, if you don't love it, um, well, maybe that's your personal preference, but like you have no reason not to love it because no other model exists. <laughs> you know? so, so tell me, is this more of a, a standardization or more of a mental model? It is, it is definitely an attempt at standardization mm -hmm. um, and clearly there is no, like besides the physical layer and the others where there is restrictions uh, of what you can do, once you get more into software, uh, it's really then depending on the software to restrict themselves to the layer and the work that needs to be right. done. Um, I'm sure to some extent there's there's got to be software that sort of merges the transport and session layer where it takes care of both. Um, but it still has to think of them as different layers. I'm sure there's, you know, there's lower level CLIs that are doing all that work together. Uh, but it's doing that hopefully in different separations. Right. So separation of concerns, 
but the within those concerns there will be protocols that you have to follow like you can't just send exactly. whatever header shape and size you want and yeah. your packets yeah. have to be as expected otherwise it won't know what to do with them um the yeah and it it's like more it's like the stricter it gets the lower level you right. are because now you have to support you know thousands if not millions of these firmwares and hardware and imagine somebody messing up writing a ethernet card and now your computer can't send any data packets to a mac and you're just like sort of screwed um, or your computer doesn't talk to your router because your ethernet card doesn't know how to talk to an ethernet cable because the person is like it works on my ethernet cable <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah yeah but like as you go up the layer i'm sure we've all seen http we all know we shouldn't be you know fetching data using a post request but guess what it happens uh, and people do it and <laughs> they're bad <laughs> this is an aside if you had to fetch a lot of data would you put and you want to pass a bunch of ids would you put them in a really long comma separated list in the url or would you provide a body to that request i would do a body mostly also because any good information that especially things like ids shouldn't go in the url uh, because url is not encrypted yes. yeah have you have you dealt with apis where you're yeah, well, we ran into we ran into this. There was a big discussion at work many months ago at this point, because um, okay. someone was working on a very uh, it was like a filtering where you're like you're basically asking for everything. Why are you filtering? But the problem they ran into is that the URLs just became too long, uh, and and so that became the actual bottleneck. But we're like, you just find a different way to do this. This is not this is not the appropriate implementation anymore. We've got You've got a um, comma-separated list of um, UIDs that you're trying to then slam into a URL and send them off to the API. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure we were all on the same page about that because I thought it was funny yeah. when it came up. And I was like, maybe it was just my team that all thought that that was a bad idea. But no, clearly, clearly no, the folks at EA... Universally a bad idea. agree. Yeah. I don't know about EA, this is like my opinion and we've established our opinions are facts when they've been said on this episode. Perfect. And this podcast, yeah. Perfect. So, all right, so we've got different protocols and different layers. When do you think about the OSI model? Does it help you with debugging? Do you ever think about it? Uh, when does this come up for you and like, why are you so obsessed with it? Um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with it because it's, I like classification and categorization of things. Mm. Uh, it is also an excellent mental model for me because I love debugging. Um, if I had any talent, I'd write a book about <laughs> it because I think I'm really good at it. Hashtag humility. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a good way to categorize it. It's definitely a good thing to remember when you're optimizing things at scale. Um, so for example, if your TCP headers are too big, 
and you don't really care about that, it might not matter on the cost of your HTTP packets and the data that's going over the layers. Uh, you might think your HTTP packet is small enough or the data segment isn't too big, but for whatever reason, it's increasing the in individual TCP segments. And things like those really come bite you when you are looking at cost or data transfer between information. And I'm not talking like hundreds of requests a second, like those things are, it's irrelevant at smaller things. Um, talking like millions of requests a second in between just your human clusters, not even talking outside with the public internet yet. Um, but it also helps distinguish that um, debugging layers because if you know something is going wrong at the TCP level, you're not gonna spend a bunch of time on your API or looking at the code or stepping through these HTTP endpoints. It'll save you a whole bunch of time if you just go look at your TCP settings and realize a certain port is blocked and you can't even communicate, you can't even tell it to the other server. Um, and having those distinctions in your head really helps because when you do debug a lot of these lower levels, um, they, the debugging information are not meant to be very helpful. Um, and when I say helpful, I mean like when we have our HTTP APIs and everything, you get nice little command line outputs, you can get print directly stuff on the browser, but your browser does not know how to talk to a HTTP, or sorry, a TCP server. So when you curl or tenlet those little endpoints uh, on your command line, they spit out this standard HTTP, sorry, TCP header or little segments. And then you're just confused because you didn't know a layer was a thing and you don't know how to debug <laughs> these things. Uh, even small little things. I know in college I did this little experiment where we had to figure out uh, what was going wrong with this TCP server. And it just would randomly drop like the 48th block or something. And our instructor made it that way. Um, but it was just, if you had, if you didn't know how to look for the TCP segments and look at the SYNAC handshake uh, that's happening, you wouldn't realize that you're not looking at the sequence numbers above a certain layer. Um, so yeah, it's more helpful when you're doing higher level debugging and optimization, um, less helpful when you're, I don't know, just making an HTTP request to an API. Um, right. Yeah. yeah, because if you're working at that layer, it can at least give you, or if you're making trying to reconnect to an application or something and your your response is just hanging versus you get like a 500 response knowing the difference about those two things one is an application error and one is likely a networking error like knowing these things yeah. is valuable cuz it prevents you from wasting a ton of time in code thinking that you broke something when actually you didn't expose the right port, or you don't have permission to do so from this IP, something like that. Like knowing that you're just can uh, write off an entire set of, of potential issues is really nice. So even just having a rough idea that there are different layers and not having them necessarily written on the back of your hand can still help you uh, just knowing that they exist. Yeah, and even smaller things like even let's say let's use a more generic example for people, you know, who are maybe not working at higher level layers. Layer one, just knowing the different physical layer attachment and what Ethernet cards you're using. For people who may have, I don't know, let's say one of those time machine backup hard drives, 
if it supports gigabit and you have hooked it up with like a cat 4e or cat 3e you can still find those um you're not pushing the highest limit and you can be backing up your data faster maybe computers start getting slower and now you're in a backup deficit um i don't know <laughs> i thought i would come up with a more relevant example <laughs> for real world I like um, like how you went, i'll go with a more general example and then it's the most specific thing <laughs> we've mentioned so far yeah okay you know what i have a general All right, cool example to hear it. there's two brothers right. sitting at yeah. home with their gaming pcs mm -hmm. and they're just doing a local LAN session but the ping is terrible because they're using not gigabit switches even though their computers have gigabit cards so they're capped out at 100 megabits per second and they're just like scratching their heads being like oh man this could be faster and they're not wrong. All they have to do is switch out their router or switch with a gigabit compatible. And now they got one gigabit per second. You know? And now brothers are happy and they grow up to be successful people. <laughs> Instead of a meth addict or something because they yeah. had slow yeah, internet. Yeah, that's, that's the real gateway drug. Slow yeah. internet. Just makes you so miserable. You get desperate. Uh, Only thing worse than no internet. It's slow internet. <laughs> it might be worse, actually. No, slow internet might be more painful. Uh, <laughs> it is. That's that's the that's the same. Uh, uh, slow internet is worse than oh, no internet. Okay, I misheard you. So my uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed actually related to what you just said was a few months back when I got myself a gigabit compatible router modem combo. It, uh, it brought my network speeds like up by four times or something. And it's just so satisfying to watch it say, you know, two gigabytes to download and not say three and a half hours expected remaining time, which is what I was roughly getting before. And now if it says, you know, while I'm waking up in the morning, if it says new upload or new download is available and you must download it before you can play. I'm like, yeah, that's not a problem. Won't take too long. Whereas before, that might have taken all of my morning, and now I don't have any time to do it before I go to the gym. So exactly. Make the most of your internet speeds, people. That's the real lesson. Yeah, even even smaller things like within your LAN. So I, I sometimes do a virtual desktop in my VR headset, and if my internal computer networking speed is slow, it's not as fun. Because guess what? Lag is a real thing. And because of my knowledge of the layer one, I was able to optimize it. Right on. So let's at least touch on TCP versus UDP because you did mention that there's a difference there. And That's I just true. find, for, <laughs> this is nothing funny about it, but I find UDP hilarious. Uh, just the concept of it. Um, so generally speaking, I'll give the very general and then you can fill in what I've missed here. But with... Uh, TCP, you essentially want to acknowledge that the connection or that the packets were received, and that they were in the right order. And uh, you, I believe, you can implement retry. Some of them do, some of them don't. I think. And UDP, it just sends it off and says good luck to you. And so that's used a lot for something like gaming or real time uh, chat. Like this is probably using UDP. Um, and the reason being that you can you can afford loss because you prefer speed. And so for something like 
Rocket League, for example, if they have ping that's over 80, they end up having real issues, and the same thing goes for too much packet loss. Any of these issues can uh, really affect your ability to control or the ability to compete in a game that is so fast, which means that TCP is essentially just not an option because it's going to be, by comparison to UDP, that much slower. So it's, it has an interesting trade-off that I just find hilarious where it's just like, we want to go fast, so we won't even ask if it got there. And I don't know, to me, I, I just think there's something funny about that. Yeah, it's like... It's how I wish I could yeah, write another, all my programs. We're just like, I just hope it works. Send it. Yeah, and if you write enough of it, no one's going to care if they didn't get all of it or not. Right, that's the other thing, yeah. With UDP, yeah. you're just like, I'll just send a ton, and eventually we hope enough will get to you. And if it doesn't, you get packet loss, which is a shame. Like, too much packet loss, which can interfere with your game, which is a shame. Yeah. That's, but that's exactly the difference. Uh, TCP has... Uh, TCP not only leverages the session layer, but TCP on its own has a handshake where it ensures everything gets to the other side. Um, at each TCP packet has the sequence, um, the acknowledgement, and it has the sender and a receiver and like the receiver address. On UDP segments, it's just data and set like receiving party, and that's it. Like you're, it's just Send it, send it, send it. And <laughs> I guess the difference would be like TCP is like a Amazon Prime delivery and UDP is like whatever your local delivery people are. The ones that just, knock, just throw yeah, it. knock and leave. <laughs> yeah. Not even knock. They're just like, here, <laughs> data. Right. Um, yeah. And it's a pretty common question that comes up in interviews and anything to just sort of understand the difference. And yeah, it's that's exactly the 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 great thing about them and yeah you use tcp for anything you want proper receipt on so like text chatting it's probably more tcp based because you don't want to lose the data uh you don't want to like send somebody a two-part message of being like um i cheated on my math test and then you know the math test part doesn't get delivered <laughs> <laughs> see that's the general examples we're looking for <laughs> yeah and now you're single Whereas on UDP, um, it's all you <laughs> exactly math test I cheated. Like what? Math, yeah, just <laughs> up, up, yeah. I thought we were listing all the things that were cool. I don't know, um, but yeah, on UDP it's video call because if a little pixel from Nathan's tent in the background disappears, I probably wouldn't notice. Um, but yeah, if it was TCP and to load every single detail every time Nathan moved his head, um, they had to sort of wait and process it, then our computers would probably fry and things wouldn't be fine. Right. So this was something I, I listened to on a podcast years ago. So it's a bit fuzzy, but I remember thinking it was really cool, which was the way that... Um, data that's sent from multiple places that needs to be agreed upon gets determined. So for example, with Rocket League, everything's server side. So everything's, all the clients are sending in their, their belief on the state of the world. And then the server decides if that's true and sends it back to the clients so that 
they all receive the same result. The problem with that becomes you end up with like rubber banding and ghosting and those sorts of things because what your client predicted ended up not matching what the server decided was the real truth. And what you can do in some other games where things are done more client side is they might pick the person that's like the owner of that session and then that one becomes the, the actual truth and then everything gets fed through to that version of the truth and fed back to the other clients. But nobody can know that they are the owner of the truth. Otherwise, it could potentially be leveraged in a uh, cheating way. And then there's other things like real-time chat applications. They're like, all right, we'll send everything in and then just figure out if two things were sent pretty much at the exact same time, which one actually goes where. And I've had it on Slack before where I've sent a message it gets sent in. I It clearly says that I sent a message and then I sent another message. And then it just suddenly goes, eh, and somebody else's message pops in that was below mine on my screen is now above because the real truth did not reflect what my client believed was the truth because my message took longer to send to this server than this other person that sent their message at the same time. So my client was like, yep, we've sent the message. I'll show it to you and then it heard from the server, that's not right, and had to, had to fix it. Um, so there is some gradual consistency to all of these asynchronous uh, communication processes, but that's what you get when you can't you know, predetermine everything. Things have to be, there's some level of uh, inconsistency that then has to be eventually resolved, but for the most part, that trade-off is worth it again, for student yeah. performance. Exactly. And then, yeah, and then those things, again, are like less risky, right? right. You, in that half a second, you're not going to care um, the message reshuffling, um, but you would care if the message just changed. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I killed all the children on the Linux server, and then the second part doesn't get sent, and you're suddenly Anakin. Right. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you wanted more real-world scenarios, so Appreciate just creating it. those now. Yeah, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we talk about session creation at all and how that works? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, so we have the... I guess, like, d did you mean more, like, on the SSL HTTPS side, or, like just the session between two computers saying, all right, I see you, let's send data to each other. I was thinking more that part, but if you have more more okay. stuff to add in with sessions, then I'd love to hear it. No, yeah, because it seems like we're going up the layer normally, because we talked about the data and the physical. Mm -hmm. We just talked about TCP, UDP, which is the transport yep. layer. So yeah, let's talk about the session layer. The session layer is like, it's more, creating the like sockets uh, and creating the communicate opening the communication line between your computer and the other the server and the client um, it's less to do with the like TCP has the TCP handshake um, but UDP also just uses a session layer um, to understand the data so the whole session layers job is from what I understand is because all of these at the end of the day, we have hardware limits. We can't just open up a billion <laughs> network connections and problems 
uh, billions of zeros and ones. There, there's limits to things we can do. So that's what the session layer maintains. Session layer says, all right, between the client and server, for the amount of data I'm going to pass through, um, I'm going to create this connection and say, all right, you hold on to your end, I'll hold on to my end, we block out this much processing power um, to get this communication across. And the great thing about session layer is if it breaks down, uh, depending on the implementation, it has the, on each end, it'll have the some sort of sequence number or some sort of resuming capability. So TCP on its own can figure out the packets missing, but UDP can't. That's where session layer sort of saves its butt by saying, all right, sending data, something broke in between, um, but we know what data we can still send. And having that layer is what helps when your video freezes, but then it just continues on at the last second or wherever, because the lost packets are now gone, but at least the session between you and the receiver still exists. Um, yeah, and that's where it does all the hard work of just being like, just please take take what I have to give, and they just communicate like that. Yeah, and if you want to sound real smart, you start talking about half and full duplex connections. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You either you're just like, all right, I can send it to you, and then you can talk back. We talk on the same highway, or we become all fancy and say, all right, it's two lane. We can talk and listen at the same time, <laughs> which is, you know, that's, that's the ultimate goal. And then when that's a persistent connection, you get web sockets. You do? Which is my favorite concept. I just think there's... Would you like so to cool. talk about your favorite concept? Yeah, concepts? I really need to learn more about web sockets specifically, <laughs> but okay. the concept, I think, because it just I don't have a lot of opportunities to use them, so I haven't worked with them a lot. Uh, but conceptually speaking, generally you'll have a connection that you're going to open with, say if you're hitting an API, your client is going to say, I'm trying to contact you, opens a connection, sends the request, make sure that everything was received, and then there's no more reason to have that session. So you can free up that session or that socket for another connection from yourself or another client or whatever. And with a web socket, you're able to say, I am going to perform the handshake, and then we're gonna keep this open for what is called a full duplex connection, where you're going to send off some packets, some more might come back, some more might be sent, and you can make decisions about, for example, with, I think, uh, I should have read up on GRC, GRPC again, but it can do things along those same lines because it's the same sort of concept, where you can essentially stream data back and forth between two different uh, computers and it's all using one open connection. So you save a lot of the um, cost of initiating that connection and you know that the connection is still there. So I don't know, it's just the idea of streaming data between machines remotely is very cool to me and having it be a persistent connection also I just find uh, oddly refreshing, even though the idea of something being ephemeral probably should be more of a draw. The fact that something like WebSockets exists, I think is interesting and I would like the opportunity to do more with it, but I'm just building REST APIs, so don't really need to. 
Yeah, and you know, places it does have its place. So, for example, voice chats. A lot of them use WebSockets as the implementation because you don't want your computer to start initiating conversation every time you start talking. Yeah. <laughs> because that's a great way for failure. Right. So, is that voice over IP? Is that how that works? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and not all VoIP implementation use WebSockets. Mm -hmm. Some of them do have long-living, weird way they do yeah. things. Like some of them have these recording but buffering at the same time session mm -hmm. things, and then they basically keep the server busy by sending in like nothing, sort right. of, uh, to make sure they have that communication capacity. Um, Just sort of poking it. But yeah. Hey, are you still there? Pretty much, yes. It's like it's. I, I don't want to waste time setting up a connection, so I'm going to just continue setting up connection. Yeah. It's like a, I don't know, a kid in the car seat just being like, "Are we there yet? Are we yeah. there yet?" We'll get there it's, when we get there. Really? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's where it's like excellent to use WebSockets, and I know a listener who may or may not be living in Romania right now uh, is loved WebSockets at some point. I don't know if he still does. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> and <laughs> if you if you still love WebSockets, hit us up. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we do some voice over yeah. IP stuff at work. Uh, I think most of our stuff related to that is through Trello, but I could be wrong. Um, I just know that it's a very confusing part of our code base that I, I and everybody tries not to get into too much because it was written many years ago and has been tough to maintain. So, If it works. That's maybe. the point, yeah. We're always <laughs> afraid to touch it. Uh, do you have anything else in your notes? Uh, no, not for a session later. Okay, so presentation. You said this does everything. Do you have, does that mean you have a lot to say or does that mean you have nothing to say? Because it just does. That, that means it. I just, I, if I had a presentation layer with me, it would just do all the work <laughs> right. and I wouldn't have to do anything. <laughs> but I'll just stay on the more higher level because we don't need to get into how SSH and SSL works under the hood. Um, but there's lots of videos and we can probably do like half episode just talking about how SSL works because I fucking, because I freaking love SSL as well. Um, but yeah, uh, on presentation layer, that's, it now, we're, we're one level above session layer. So once the session is opened up, uh, presentation layer really makes sure that the communication between the computers is secure and encrypted. Because all the session layer knows is, all right, send the data, get the data. Uh, but presentation layer says, all right, send this gobble goop of data, which you can't understand because I encrypted it. And then on the other hand, it decrypts, sends it back, and the presentation layer gets this jumbled information. It's like, I know what to do with this. <laughs> and then it just turns that into a proper sounding message and then gives it to the application layer to display. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool to me that the OSI model essentially is the same way that like all other software is built. You've got like these nice layered separations of concerns. And even when you're building software, product doesn't really know how it's built. They just pass down requirements. Devs don't really know how it's maintained in the infrastructure. They just ask ops to ship it. And at some level, ops eventually doesn't know how the chips are made and these sorts of things. So there's people who ironically use software to build chips. They don't know how that software is made, but they use it to build chips. 
just keeps going down turtles all the way down yeah our the more you learn about like the internet technology computers hardware the more you're like how does any of it it shouldn't be working none of it should work and all of it does and it's just the most mind-blowing all transistors that are either on or off (laughs) yeah it's just zeros and ones and people trusting each other (laughs) (laughs) yeah the the fact that different switches are built off of the latency in time it takes for an electron to pass down one area versus another area is crazy. That's how fast that data is pass like being things are being flipped on and off. So like they can increase clock speeds because they're like, well we know that by the time this electron makes it to here, this other one has already made it to here, which means we can flip that gate and it can keep going down this track and you're just like we're working at the speed of light right now and making decisions at that time. That's crazy. So if you don't know how that stuff works, it's fascinating. And when you remember occasionally, like I do, I'm typing in this code and I'm wondering how do I make this function more optimized? I just think the fact that somewhere this is just going to be little balls of light flying over a tube is pretty crazy. Yep. And it's the, yeah, go, go look at data links. Sometimes if you have an old router at home, just, you know, sit with it. Just look at it and be like, thank you for all you do. (laughs) The little switch at home, just open it up, look at all the little transistors in there and just be like, thanks for letting me play Rocket League. (laughs) Because that's what this is about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, finally we have the application layer. I don't have a lot to talk about it. It's, it's the laziest layer. It, just has all the information and it shows it to you and you're just like hey um cool can you get me more information and then it just goes down the layer and we're like hey can we get more information <laughs> and then like all the layers <laughs> yell at each other <laughs> until you get to the server and then the server's like here's a bunch of information and then it's like yeah from ground up it's like here's a bunch of information it keeps going up <laughs> and then in browser renders something like oh we have information now and you're like cool now I can see my math results scores. Or you can see see like a guy told you you're trash. <laughs> yes, so exactly. now you know how that guy messaged me. Yeah, from his computer all the way around the world, millions and billions of transistors flipped through with zeros and ones so that Nathan can read the text, <laughs> you're trash. <laughs> oh. That's pretty special. All right, do you have anything else or should we move on? I think we should wrap it up. Uh, that was, I, I did not think we would have so much to talk about OSI and yeah, I'm like still like, this is great. I love OSI. <laughs> yeah, I look so happy. <laughs> so yeah. let's start with you this time. What are you gonna, or how did your doing better go, first of all? Mm-hmm. And what are you gonna yeah. do better next week? Well. I had two things on my last do better was to plan two different trips mm. <clears throat> as I'm starting to talk. <laughs> I know I asked a tough question. <clears throat> um, so the two trips I had was one of them I why don't you sure, go yeah. <laughs> mute myself for a second and cough. <laughs> All right. Let's see. So my my do, did betters. As mentioned, did my first <laughs> overnight hike, uh, and that was a success. 
as part of that, I met a group of people at Sombrio. So that was my the night that I camped over. So I camped on Sombrio Beach, and there was this group of people next to me uh, where I happened to be set up. And it was people roughly around my age, maybe like five to eight of them, something like that. And they just like, hey, just come hang out if you feel like it. And so it was the first time since 2019 when I just hung out with a group of strangers. And it was so refreshing because being in hostels, I was meeting strangers and just realizing like, oh, I can talk to people. It's just the people I know who say I can't. And it's refreshing, makes me feel confident again in my ability to be a functioning social being. Uh, so it was good, enjoyed that. By Sunday afternoon, I was starting, my legs were starting to feel properly functioning again. And I think I've mostly pretty much fully recovered from the walk. As I mentioned, it was a big one. There's like a six kilometer section in the middle that basically you go straight up and then right back down. And then it's not, there's no flat bits at the top or the bottom. It just uh, immediately goes like right back up. And so probably probably did eight to 12 immediate ups and downs over the course of the six kilometer stretch. And honestly, if that part wasn't in there, probably would have felt pretty good at the end of the day. And because that part was in there, I was feeling pretty cooked. So ate some ice cream, had a good sleep, and was feeling good by a couple days later. So that was good. And also in the last week, as I mentioned, I was going to be um, sticking, trying to stick to my diet, enter a new phase of it where I'm dropping some weight, have dropped a pound or two based on that because with hiking everything, weight is a bit hard to judge. So I'm just going by averages. I think it's about a pound and a half, two pounds, something like that since the beginning of the month. So progress. And if you're back, you can do your segment and then I'll do my do betters. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm good for now. Good. The, yeah, let's capitalize on it before it goes all wrong again. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I did better, planned two trips, one to Victoria uh, last week, which was a rousing success. I always love showing people as like a tour guide, uh, Victoria, because I love that place and I stayed there for six years. And then every time I show it to somebody, I get to re-experience the joy I had when I lived there. And, you know, I normally can't just walk through Chinatown and be like, oh my God, Chinatown's so great. Let's go to this bubble tea shop. If it's somebody, I could do that because they think I'm being excited for them, but really it's just me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I had another trip uh, around BC interior upcoming uh, with a certain somebody who shall remain unnamed. And the trip, the there was a route on our trip um, that caught fire <laughs> because it's too hot in BC. And it's a... So horrible for them and bad for us because now we can't go through that place and we you know so now I have to replan the trip a little bit more and figure out where I'm gonna go so that's part of my do better now so that I I can work on that and then talk to this random guy who can make friends at beach <laughs> randomly and yeah then I, I also started this one thing uh, it's it's now a family schedule 
so I realized I'm pretty bad at keeping touch with my family. Okay. Um, I was thinking like family. I, I, I do like once a week. Planning, like, oh like, no no no! Me? You need. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna adopt kids. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna say. It's like who needs a partner? Just, I'm already good. I'm smart. Let's get it. Uh, <laughs> no, no, not yet. I see. Okay, um, that sort of family schedule. Yeah, yeah. So I'm making a schedule of. So now I've sort of extended family because my brother's married, and there's people on that side who love me. I have family of my own that raised me, and then in Canada I have this Canadian family who I sort of lived with for a while. So I don't talk to any of them very frequently, and. I only I love seeing people in person. I I'm not a texter. I'm not a caller. So, it's but they are, and I need to adapt uh, to the way they also like to hear back. And summer is a good time for me to do it because summer I am more chippy and talkative. Uh, in winters I'll just probably go back into my hole. So now I'm creating this schedule of what days of the week some people are given weekly privileges. Some are bi-weekly. Some are monthly. And I'm having actually kind of fun with it, so I'm gonna call them on selected dates and times, um, so that I stay in touch. Because at least I took the step, and yeah, so I'm calling it my family schedule, which I now realize could be misleading. I was just being uh, a jerk, but yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and yeah, and then my finally final thing on my do better is buy a stamp desk because nice. my I have, I can buy it and expense some of it and my current stand desk sucks so yeah getting that so that i can you know not have shoulder back neck injuries um flare up mm. i'm gonna let these ambulance or fire trucks pass well muting muting yourself on zoom is that helping mm. With the actual audio recording. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I don't record it through my computer anymore. <laughs> you don't have hardware. hardware no, because we're quick timing it. Uh, yeah. So anyway. So yeah, just to, just tell us. We know fire truck is there because you're lit. Right. You know, so. it's just too hot in BC, <laughs> too hot to handle. So, I guess my do betters are always left. I need to actually spend some time on this AWS developer course because I basically haven't done it in two weeks. So four hours, that's my commitment. Spend on that as a minimum. I want to start learning another song on guitar and leverage that social confidence and after taking a month off to finally start messaging ladies on dating apps again. So yeah, as we know, May was not successful. June was a break and now it's July. We're in step three of reopening. We're after Canada Day. Weather's great. I made random friends at a beach. Hopefully, all uh, the cards are stacked in my favor so I can actually um, have a first date for the first time in many years. <laughs> so we'll see if that happens this month or not. Yeah, masks aren't mandatory anymore, so you know you can talk to them and they can see your beautiful face and fall in love. Uh, yeah, so hopefully I can do some of those things. <laughs> we'll see if it works out or not. Um, and that's it. 
I think those are, for me at least, fairly large commitments. Time commitment, a casual recreational commitment, and then actually having to socialize. Uh, like. For a commitment commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's it. Cool. To find out what happens to Nathan's love life, tune into our next episode. And thank you for listening to this one. Bye. Bye.